Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us today. We continue to not put out very many videos. Um, this season continues to be very strange around here. I'm trying to find my way, and we have all these studies that, that are spread out on the table of my heart and my mind, and I'll spend three days here and two days here and a day and a half on this one and a week on this one, and I can't seem to get any of them to a, a point of completion. And so I, I apologize. It is what it is. We talk all the time how this program will never be just cut and dry for the sake of, of putting out a program with a, a ritualistic, uh, habitual day-to-day, certain day, certain amount of episodes. We're not going to do that. And today is really the, the epitome of spontaneity. Um, I have been in the book, and we'll just go ahead and get right into today. I've been in the book of Ecclesiastes um, for the last several days. And I'm finding, much to my surprise, that it is really, it's getting all up in my identity. It is calling into question so many things in my life that I never would have imagined it would. And I'm just asking myself so many questions I won't get into yet. I'm, I'm now beginning to compile some stuff, some thoughts, some commentary into certain key words in the book of Ecclesiastes and all these things. But the problem is primarily is I've not been doing much to study in order to put it on here. It's just been this, it's been this teaching time for me between me and the Father and his, his incredible word that he has given to us. And so although there's a lot going on in here, I just don't quite know how to get it out. Now, that being said, today, while I was at work, I was just out working. It's a beautiful day. I'm working hard, and I'm listening to some messages about some of these understandings towards um, what in the world Ecclesiastes is saying and some layers within what it's presenting to the reader. And I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling something within me <laughs> that I've yet to put my finger on entirely. But as I drove home today, I just kind of turned everything off. I listened to a little bit of NPR just to gather a little bit of news. And um, I'm not a, if you don't know the program, I'm not a news gatherer. And I don't go to the real sites who tell me the truth. And I'm not into the truther movement. And like, I just don't care about all that stuff anymore. I'm intrigued, but I just don't give it attention anymore. Nor am I negligent and ignorant and burying my head in the sand, but... I just, I'm not a big consumer of, of the pulse of the world <laughs> and what he says is true and what he says is true and how they bicker and banter back and forth. I just, I just don't get into that anymore. But as I was driving home, I'm just kind of, I'm in the quiet. I drive about an hour to get home. I'm just kind of quiet, just asking the Spirit, what are you saying? Father, what would you say to your church? What are you saying because I hear all this noise. If I just barely crack open the door and I peer out there, I hear all this noise and I just slam it closed. A few days may go by, a week or two maybe, and I'll crack the door again and I'll look out at the condition of the church or, or what the evangelical world is saying and I hear all this noise and clamor and I just slam the door again and I just don't want to hear because it's just noise. 
It's just foolish clamoring about, grasping for hope and for truth. And, and just grabbing a Bible verse out of the Bible and plastering it on an issue. Demanding justice and righteousness and God's vengeance upon the bad people. And all this jargon that is never ending. And although I've really been in a place in, in, in a season of my life for months now of just not really being stirred. Not really emotionally here nor there. I've been real stirred today. And just the noise of the body of Messiah clamoring about, talking about how she's so knowledgeable about the hour. And we see what's going on. And then also alongside that, I'm, I'm studying and giving myself, immersing myself into the book of Ecclesiastes of an individual who claims to be perhaps one of the most wise men to ever be on the face of the entire earth, who tried every single thing under the sun, and found it all to be a vapor, except for what culminates in chapter 12, which is fearing Yahweh and keeping his commands. And so I hold these, these, these two components, these two vastly different sides in this crazy tension that is my life. And I just feel that pull. So that being said, I come home from work. I see my family. I come home early. I have an awesome job. I have an awesome business. <laughs> and I just, I was, I, I was very physically tired. I had a couple busy days. So I said, I'm going to lay down for 15 minutes. And as I lay down, I'm like, Father, would you give me a dream? Would you show me something of what you're saying? What can I tell your church if only one person listens? Whether on here or, or whoever I talk to this weekend... What would you be what would you say? What are you telling us, oh great, great king of all kings? What are you saying? You're surely saying something. What is clear? What is right? And so I didn't have a dream. I didn't have this revelation during my 15-minute snooze. But I woke up and as sure as I'm sitting here, I heard Psalm chapter 140. This happens to me with regularity. I don't understand it. It's just a supernatural thing. It's no big. I don't see, you know, lights and angels and gold dust falling from the sky and angelic voices singing Bible references. I believe present moment. That's just the main primary function of Holy Spirit. Because what? Holy Spirit teaches us all things. And friends, what is our teacher? What is our teacher? Holy Spirit will lead us to the eternal word of God. And so today... The second I got up, Psalm 140, I, of course, went and got my Bible and sat down, began to read. And, and out of that, I believe, came this, which I present to you in humility as something to consider should you be one who considers yourself part of body of Messiah, part of the church. Now, not a church. If you're just part of a church, you're not part of the church. There's a problem with your understanding about what you've even joined yourself with. But we can't tackle that today. But, but what came, up, came out of, of this reading of Psalm chapter 140, for the most part, because I had to start, all right, I told my wife, I said, here I go again. I'm getting into page two. I've got to stop. <laughs> and so I named this today, Protection for the Upright. Protection 
for the upright. And we're just going to read all of Psalm chapter 140. Now, I present moment for the most part. Now, the Bible that I have that's, that's weary and worn and just like part of my soul is an NASB. I'm getting so I'm using other versions equally as much, maybe more. But it's still kind of my go-to, present moment. Partly because of this is this actual physical book is, is very dear to me. <laughs> and But that's what I'm going to be reading from today. And we're just going to read the whole chapter. It is only 13 verses. It will only take a moment. Rescue me, Adonai, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who devise evil things in their hearts. They continually stir up wars. They sharpen their tongues as a serpent. Poison of a viper is under their lips, Selah. Keep me, O Adonai, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have purpose to trip up my feet. The proud have hidden a trap for me in cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set snares for me, Selah. I said to Adonai, you are my Elohim. And I'm translating some because it's my preference to say something other than God. Give ear, Adonai, to the voice of my supplications. O oh, oh Elohim, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. Do not grant the desires of the wicked. Do not promote his evil device, lest they be exalted. Selah. As for the head of those who surround me, may the mischief of their lips cover them. May burning coals fall upon them. May they be cast into the fire, into deep pits from which they cannot rise. May a slanderer not be established in the earth. May evil hunt the violent man speedily. I know that Adonai will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely, the righteous will give thanks to your name. The upright will dwell in your presence. So let's just talk about this chapter in a little bit of dissection. So, so first, of, well, let's just read this, and I have a challenge to you, especially if you consider yourself a, a Christian American evangelical, because I'm hard on you. I'm hard on you. I'm hard on you, I would like to say, from a present moment heart that's right and good because I'm so concerned about the evangelical church and her wayward ways about how deceived she is. I talk about it often throughout all the programs that's peppered throughout everything we talk about, for the most part, because I'm very concerned about her, <laughs> that part, if you will, of the church that is so ingrained in nationalism and patriotism and God and guns and beer are all somehow in a big pot together and entirely inseparable. It concerns me greatly. And you know that if you ever watch this program. But I want to challenge you with something right out of the gate, and then we'll dissect just a few of these verses. Who are violent men, evil men, who devise evil things in their hearts? Who are these individuals in your mind? Because most people, and I, I, I know just enough Christian evangelicals, that the verbiage is always the same. It is predictable, it is identical, and it always comes out in the exact same way, which is, we know the enemy, we're not going to tolerate it, the church is going to stand, we won't put up with this, and we're going to win. 
It's always the same flavor of the same thing. It's just this constant regurgitation of nationalistic, patriotic-fueled religion. And so we have this, and it's in my upbringing as well, as a, a longtime Christian, it's just ingrained in us about who the bad guy is. Of course, if you're Christian evangelical, the Democrat is the bad guy. He's evil. And all of their ways are they're trying to scheme against the good people and they're trying to implement, you know, evil things on the earth and in America. A lot of times the earth, we forget there is uh, an earth besides us. <laughs> and so we have this mindset, if we're not careful, of who this is talking about. And, if, and again, if we're not really taking the time to understand who is this speaking of, who are, who are evil men, who are violent men, okay? Now, violent men, and be careful now, all, all you pro-war uh, and pro-military agenda folks who might watch this program, Violent men in, in Hebrew is Hamas. Now, that's not happenstance, and of course there are some major correlations to Hamas and Hamas, and that's not by happenstance, and that's, that's not an arguable point. But in, in the correct understanding, of biblically, biblically speaking, these, these violent men are, are moving about and fueled by cruelty, injustice, and unrighteousness. Okay. Now, again, the reason I said what I did to precede the definition of Hamas was because we have to be careful we understand who are unrighteous, who are unrighteous, who are unjust ones, who are cruel ones. What does that even mean? Because, again, in our mindset, our mindsets are often vastly different than what this is intending to say. Our own understanding, our own perspective, our own engine of, of, of explanation is often very different than what the Bible's saying. And we see this word first, this violent men, in Genesis chapter 6, and it's mankind's condition in the days of Noah. And we know the verse, and it talks about how the, the, the world is full of violence. The, the men are, are, are violent continually. Their hearts are, are evil all day long. Okay? And so in, in, in chapter 140 of Psalms, verse 4, Keep me from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have purposed to trip up my feet. And so in, in, the, in the understanding of this verbiage here, they, these are the ones who have devised a plan and scheme to violently overthrow me. And, and my, my overthrow my goings. Okay? My... I don't want to say plans because we don't want to get that confused with like biblical plans. But they, they, they cause it's, it's, it's intricately related to a snare, a catching, a thwarting, okay? But I, again, I want to keep reminding you to be cautious of who you think this is because it might not be who you think. These evil men, these violent men, who are they? Who are they? Now, we're told in Matthew 24 and other places, as in the days of Noah, a prophesied day to come, a, a, an end of the age, as in the days of Noah. But this is one thing, and I, I want to take, without getting into it entirely, of course, for the sake of time, I want you to take what you may understand about the book of Ecclesiastes and what I'm adding to my life and understanding towards it. And I want to put these side by side. Justice 
injustice, cruelty, unrighteousness. In the book of Ecclesiastes, and I want to put them side by side, and I want to remind you, friend, and this is, I feel, I feel safe to say in humility and not alarm and, and, and emotion, that this is a warning to the body of Messiah to be cautious and alert. Now, this is the same message that we taught on back with the old prophet and the man of God. It's the same thing that, that the, without me getting into it, because I love the story, the man of God goes, and of course, the evil, rotten, vile king invites him to his house. The man of God says, no way, I see you, I know who you are, I'm not disobeying the words of the Lord, I'm not going. But the old prophet comes, says, hey, brother, I'm just like you, and the angel told me, and what happens? The man of God is deceived. He doesn't see the, the prophet, the old prophet, as evil. He doesn't see him as conniving, setting a snare to trap his feet and to pull him into what, friends? Into unrighteousness, into injustice. Because you know what those two things are? Not keeping the ways of Yahweh Elohim. That's the harsh reality, friend, that most people don't want to talk about in the Christian church because when you look at evil, unrighteousness is just simply the opposite of righteousness. I mean, let's just keep this down here in kindergarten level. If you're not righteous, you're unrighteous. And if you're unrighteous, you're all these things. Why? Because you're in rebellion in your heart towards the the commandments and the ways of Yahweh, Elohim. <laughs> it's very simple when you break it down in that way. So let's be careful. We're not like the man of God looking at the old prophet. I trust you. Oh, an angel told you. And I'm not just talking about modern day prophets. I'm talking about anyone in our lives. Pastors, preachers, teachers, your mechanic who says he's a godly man and says, thus saith the Lord, I don't care who he is. Me on here, we have got to be careful what we ingest. I'm always saying that. And what is the source? And is what they're saying lining up with this, or is it just a whole bunch of hot air? Is it just constantly man's opinion? Empty, hollow, resuscitation of Christianese lingo that gets us stirred and makes us feel better. This is an hour, and an hour is coming, friend, that we will have to know the difference. We're talking a lot on here about discernment and discerning the times and, and being careful what we listen to and what we give ourselves to receiving from. Justice may not look like what you want it to or how you think is best. I'm learning that in Ecclesiastes in a different way, in a unique way, that he says... He says what? I see good things happen to bad people. And I see really bad, rotten, stinking things happen to good people. I don't get it. What's he say? It's this word we'll get into in a future teaching. Hevel. Hevel. I don't understand. I'm perplexed. It's a paradox. It makes no sense. But it's the way it is. It's above us. It's beyond us. Now, now, as in the days of Noah, let's continue that for a mere moment. Um, yes, Noah was preserved, of course. Yes, we know that, right? We do know that story. <laughs> but only because he, he heeded the words of Yahweh and he prepared. He did something to prepare after the warning came. Now, we've been given a warning throughout endless scriptures about what is to come. 
prophesied specific things. When this, then this. When you see that, then this. We have been given every possible warning that God could ever give mankind. 20 times over. Noah did what was commanded of him, and thereby he was delivered. All provision, all plans came from the hand of Yahweh Elohim. Verse 13 in chapter 140. Surely the righteous will give thanks to your name. Now don't even get me started on his name. If we don't say his name, or, or Lord help us, we don't know your name, the righteous will give thanks to Yahweh. The upright will dwell in your presence. That's the way that that ends. Now, these two words are very key. Especially, again, we're not, talk, we're not using Noah as our main text here, but he's an awesome, perfect example, of course. The righteous will give thanks to your name, and the upright will dwell in your presence. All right, so let's, let's go to Psalm um, chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 7. For Yahweh is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Now, this righteousness that he loves, he loves righteous deeds. Now, this, this throws a wrench in, in the wide-way Christian gospel that says don't do anything. You're only going to do it in your own effort. You don't learn salvation by works, but I had this conversation with a brother yesterday. I said, but what about after I'm born again? What about after my regeneration, my new creation re reality? What about then? Well, brother, your righteousness is filthy rags. But what if I'm not operating now according to my own righteousness? Was Noah operating in his own righteousness to build a boat as big as my 10-acre property? His, his works are just filthy rags. I don't think so. Or else it wouldn't have accomplished what it did. Why? Because he was upright in the sight of Adonai. He was marked, consecrated, distinct as one who what? Kept the commands of the Creator. So protection... For the upright, okay? Protection for the upright. Now, now the church that I've known my whole life now, okay? I'm fixing to be 48 years old. That's a long time. Reads these promises in, in Psalms and just automatically paints that upon every person in the church. This, friend, is applicable to you. Read it, believe it, and it's yours. Friends, it is not that easy. Protection is for the upright. If this were just an all-inclusive, all-encompassing reality, the whole flood event would not have taken place, for one. And number two, it sure wouldn't have looked the way that it did. God's hand of judgment came. Why? Because of what? Lawlessness, unrighteousness, violence, which is what? Injustice and unrighteousness. Again, this is a warning to the church today that I see out my window to be cautious and careful that we are not living as lawless ones in unrighteousness, unjust.
upright ones. What is that? It's in 140 verse 13 and Psalm 11, 7 and many other places. I'm just doing this to keep this short. Righteous is sadiq. You may have heard it before if you know any kind of Hebrew, sadiq, just, lawful. Now this also, ironically enough, also shows up for the very first time in the Bible in Genesis chapter 6 as well in regards to Noah. Noah was a sadiq man. He was a just man, a lawful man. He walked with Yahweh. Now, now as we start to bring this to a close, I see the church just seemingly moving along, blatantly ignoring the hour. From my perspective, which is just mine, just my perspective, and this is not all-inclusive where there's nobody seeking God but me in my house. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the overreaching, I'm up on a hill and I'm looking down at all the little pockets of the body of Messiah that I see, and everybody just seems to be kind of cruising. This is a warning to me in my house as well to sober up so that there is protection for the upright, that I make sure I'm upright. But they seem, for the most part, oblivious or negligent. I don't know which one. Maybe a little bit of both? Oblivious? Just don't even get the, the, so, the seriousness of the hour? Or just negligent? It's fine. It's all going to work out. What? Quote Psalms again. Hey, hey, Kathy. Read Psalms again. I'm getting a little bit scared. I just watched two hours of the news. What's that about the promises of protection for us again? What about the criteria, friend? What about the criteria? The Bible, the promises, the covenantal promises of Yahweh are perfect and sure, but they absolutely have prerequisites. Absolutely have prerequisites all the time, everyone. You must be upright. Righteous, holy, consecrated, identity in the Son, losing our life for His sake and thereby finding it. Like my Facebook feed, okay? I put that note in here to talk about that briefly. Briefly is all the time it really is due. (laughs) But my Facebook feed is filled more now than it's ever been about just organized church nonsense. I've never seen it so heavy. (laughs) Programming. You know, like new cameras. Do you have this camera uh, kit so that you can do your live streams better? Do you have the newest staging with the new lights that shine here and it's programmable? Growth conferences. Oh, my gosh. Every scroll I do, go to this growth conference. Some guy comes on and is like, hey, welcome to the so 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 all this stuff about, I grew my church 10% in the first month and 30% by the third month and 80% in six months, and you can too with my program. That stuff is constantly, constantly being bombarded to the church. Smoke, loud music, youth events, DVDs to enhance your church media and website. It's endless, and I just, I say that, Why? To say, what are we doing? What are we doing? Church, what are we doing to prepare to be protected by making sure we are upright and living righteous, consecrated, holy, set apart, distinct lives? 
I'm afraid we're just busy. Even just busy being churchy. Busy being our version and flavor of religion. This group over here, they do it that way. That group does it this way. That group does it this way. And we all just function independently, independently from one another with our own doctrines to believe what we want. And we just hope it all works out in the end. But they're righteous in their eyes. They're righteous in their eyes. They're righteous in their eyes. Their doctrinal stance says they're right. I'm saying, what do we have to remove that is not in here? What's all the extra nonsense that's being added that's just unnecessary, church? We have to know. We have to be careful that what is fueling us to be the body of Messiah is not all this extra fluff that has nothing to do with being holy, consecrated people. And I'm saying that to myself too. I'm saying it to myself more now than I've ever said it, with more regularity, hard on myself, asking myself, am I righteous? Am I holy? And, and, and like, this is what I've called holy, doing these things, being like this, believing this, things that look like something. I've been doing this for years. I'm asking the question, line by line, does this matter? Is this really what this tells me? Is part a component of being holy as he is holy? Because if it's not, it's got to go. At the very least, it's got to be put in its proper place that it's not masquerading as making me feel like I'm holy and consecrated and upright when in fact it's just something fruitless, topical, surface level only. So we touched on righteous and upright being what keeps a man before Yahweh. Now, this is a timeless biblical pattern. We know that if we've read the Bible even once. We know that pattern. This, the, the, whether we talk about Moses or Noah or David or Yahweh's eyes and attention are on his holy ones, ones who are righteous and upright in his sight. And those are the ones he will give protection. It's a biblical pattern, sure thing. So let's read this and we'll bring this to a close. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. If you will listen carefully to the voice of Yahweh your Elohim and do what is right in his sight and listen to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians for I, Yahweh Elohim, am your healer. Now, that is one verse taken out of a whole huge text, and I know that, and you likely do too. But this point is clear. The if-use, friend, we have talked about that on this program for years. I talked about it 15 years ago on a blog I used to do. This is no newsflash, but there is criteria, friend, for us to be in the perfect protection of our Creator. Plagues are coming. And marking is coming. Oh, I know, I know. Uh, it's that vaccine. That vaccine's the mark. Man, I'm not even talking about that. It's that and a whole lot more. Do you understand that? It's that and a whole lot more. Excuse me. Way more. Only holy, set-apart, consecrated, righteous, upright ones will see Psalm chapter 140 to be theirs to rightly declare with substance, right? Because you know if you're righteous or not. Now, you may be convinced. You may be convinced that you're cruising. 
But if you truly are born again, regenerated, and you study yourself to show to study to show yourself approved, and you really scrutinize the scripture and not just eat whatever you're told, if you are a true studier of the word, you know by what this says, if you look from cover to cover now, what is righteousness? What is holiness? What does it mean to be upright? Because, friend, you're not just only told that in Romans 4. You're not only told that in the Gospels, okay? This is a complex life that we have been called to live. It will cost us everything to be surrendered, to lay every single thing down that deems me unrighteous. I'm convicted by that myself right here now in this very moment that I have got to do that in my life because marking is coming. And if you're not already marked, you will be marked. This is no left behind series message, by the way. This is just reality. Psalm one chapter, Psalm 140 will not be yours to claim and to stand on it to declare from your innermost places if, in fact, you're not just. And again, justice may not look like you want, friend. I hear so. I heard yesterday so many people about abortion and God's about to bring the hammer down. He's gonna bring justice and he's gonna bring all the child traffickers down. And friend, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? Is that okay with you, church? Is that okay if it just doesn't go like that? If there's not a global revival where everyone you know that hates God suddenly loves him tomorrow morning, will we be okay that Yahweh is set, enthroned, and perfectly righteous and holy and everything he does and allows and comes to pass on this earth is perfect, as he says it is? Or are we We've got to have justice. Because, friend, I'm just going to say this and we'll be done. We better be careful because we may not know which side we're on. We're calling for judgment to the unrighteous. We read these verses. God, let the fire come to the unjust, unrighteous ones. Friend, here's the tough question that I'm asking myself. What if it's me? What if it's me? Friend, what if it's you? Would you call it down so heavy? I dare say you would. We need to know. What does this say a just man is? What keeps the plagues and the curses from coming to us, to any one of us? Ones who are right in Elohim's sight and ones who listen to his commandments and one, ones who keep his statutes. This is no willy-nilly grace gospel anymore. That's going to go from the church. I just don't know when. It's got to, to bring true repentance. So church, what are we doing? What do you think? Put it in the comments. Send us a message. Send us an email. PatDesign.com. PatDesignPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. What do you think? What are you hearing? We've got to be hearing something. Because what? We know that, that Yahweh does nothing without first revealing to his prophets, and the Spirit is always speaking something to the churches in this hour. What is he saying? We've got to know. Friend, this is no downer. This is reality. This is the age we live in, and I look at it like this. Perfect creator spoke me into being for right now. 
for this age. I don't dread it. I don't hate it. I don't worry about what's, what is this going to look like for my son and for my grandchildren. What are they going to inherit? You know what they're going to inherit? Power, biblical authority, righteous standards, carrying the mantle of the commandments of Yahweh Elohim into a dark, dark earth. But friends, we're only going to be able to do that if we ourselves are upright. There is protection for the upright, friend, but we need to make sure that that's us. You've been watching and listening to the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for watching. Amen.